I ever fall in love with somebody nice like you? Spoilers ahead. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Callum. And welcome to 1001 A Film Policy. This week we have watched the 1960 classic The Apartment. This Best Picture winner follows an insurance clerk living in New York who, in order to advance in his career, loans his apartment to more senior co-workers to conduct their extramarital affairs. Things soon get complicated when he finds himself falling in love with one of the mistresses. Um, so this is your pick. Yeah, why'd you pick it? What do you know about it? Well, like I mentioned last time, it's ba- I always see it pop up in like top 100 lists and, you know, I think it's in the top IMDb list. I didn't really check that, but it's definitely in the letterbox one, the top 250. Or it was until recently they rejigged all their ratings. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. So, so that's a bit mental. But I think it's still hanging on there in the letterbox one. Um, and I always see people rate it really highly and I just want to know what all the fuss is about, really. And I want to get into all these older films as we've spoken about. And I thought this was a good way way to do that, basically. Yeah, I've always sort of liked this sort of era, um, 50s and early 60s. Yeah. Well, um, you, you told me you were watching James Dean when you were 14. Yeah, no, I yeah, I had a lot of influence from my cousin in that respect. He used to give me Rebel Without a Cause or tell me to watch On the Waterfront or something like that. He um, also made you watch Come and See yeah. for some reason. Probably too young for that. Probably <laughs> explains a lot, yeah. Yeah. But no, well, good film though. But Yeah, great film. Yeah, what about you? What did you know anything about the apartment? Yeah, I'd seen the um the poster for it, you know, the orange poster with the keys. I'd yeah. seen that plenty of times. I don't know why, maybe I'd just seen it through letterbox and stuff. And I always assumed it was an Alfred Hitchcock film. Um all right, yeah. It just <laughs> looks like it, it, yeah, it, I think it reminds me a little bit of the Vertigo poster. Is that orange as well? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is quite a similar poster, actually. So for anyone that hasn't watched it, I'd advise you to go and watch it. Um, But if you haven't, it's basically about a fella who loans out his apartment to his his senior co-workers (laughs) to drive so they can have their flings and Just uh, cheat on their wives with mistresses and stuff. Yeah, and he uses it for, for leverage to get himself promotions in work, which is a strange premise. Um but it works. And this obviously, if you, if you watch the trailer, I think, it's, like I said, with the Thelma and Louise trailer, this is quite a misleading one because I don't really think it's a comedy. I don't really think it's a romance film. I think it probably is more of a drama. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, it tries to come across as a comedy. I don't know. Do you think it was a comedy? There were There were lines in it that were funny, but... Yeah, it's it's sort of considered a rom com, isn't it, when you look at the genres? But then I don't know. There's I don't want to give you know going too much into it, but halfway through it just turns, doesn't it? Because something happens. Yeah. Um, and it just makes it all it gets all a bit serious. Actually, there's a little funny moments, but before then, it's a little yeah, it's sort of more of a comedy really. But then there's a a point I think where it just twists more into a, a drama, really weirdly. Yeah. Um. No, I agree. Um. I watched it in two parts. Um. I watched it. Well, I watched about 25 minutes of it on Monday, but I was knackered and I was thinking I'm going to have to watch the rest tomorrow. So I did. But that first 25 minutes after I'd seen that, I went to bed and I was sort of thinking about the film and what I'd seen so far. And I was sort of thinking to myself, oh, this this is probably the, the original sort of rom-com. Like, it, I could see it being like um, what a film like Meet the Parents or something would be influenced by. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. And then obviously when I watched the rest of the film, 
I don't think it could be further from. I, I don't. I don't think that at all. In the end, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I thought that. I don't know. It does give off that vibe though early on, doesn't it? And people, I, you know what? I'm going to give a bit away, but I think it might have become one of my favourite rom rom coms actually after watching it. I did. I did like it actually. The the turns it took and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it as well. Um, but I I don't know if it is. I don't think it is a comedy. I think it's just there is humour in it. Early on, I knew I was going to like the film when I saw the dog in a raincoat. Did you see the dog in a raincoat? <laughs> no, I didn't. What, what, what <laughs> film did you watch? When was that? And I instantly thought, well, that's getting a, at least plus one star. <laughs> Just um, with the dog. Um, oh, sorry, I watched that. I didn't notice the coat for some reason. I usually notice these things. Yeah. Um, I also liked um, in this film, someone uses the phrase Little Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I uh, like that. Yeah, I do. I do like it when people say that. Um, I didn't know anything about Billy Wilder at all before I watched this film. Didn't you? Um, and now I know that he did some like it hot on Sunset Boulevard and The Seven Year Itch. Yeah. So he's done some films that I know of. Um, not seen any, but some like like it hot is one of those ones that you, you see loads of clips about, don't you? Yeah. And Sunset Boulevard as well. Yeah, and his films always seem to have a really good last line. He seems to be very good at that with his scripts that he writes. That he writes the perfect last line because there's one in um, Sunset Boulevard, there's one in Some Like It Hot, and there's one in this film, from what I know. Sunset Boulevard, the one that um, I'm ready for my close-up. Yeah, yeah, he's got a few big films that um, I would like to watch as well. I've only seen The Apartment and bits of Some Like It Hot when I was in university. We studied it a little bit, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, some like it hot. I've heard a lot of people go on about that. It's, um, I think it was quite revolutionary at the time. I don't know if it was. I just hear people say <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I know it's got Marilyn Monroe in, so that's sort of a love triangle in a way as well. He's quite good at them. Uh, yeah, that's Jack Lemon as well, though, isn't he? Yeah, isn't I like Jack Lemon. Yeah, I do too. I've never seen him in anything else. No, but yeah, I think it was great. I think. They say that Billy Wilder had a bit of um, a professional infatuation with uh, Jack Lemmon, and that's why he kept on putting him in his films. Uh, but I think they did about nine films together in, wow. in total. I'm not sure if it was that many, but I, th- I got that, that number's in my head from somewhere. But it wasn't just Billy Wilder that wrote this. He obviously directed it, and he wrote the screenplay, but he wrote it with I-A-L <laughs> Diamond. <laughs> what the fuck's he called? I-A-L. I-A-L. How did they... Yeah, what do you call him when you see him? You're like I A L. How are you doing? I ain't got a clue what you call him. <laughs> What's his first name? Um, surely he must have called. It doesn't even come up. It just says I A L. Born. He was born Itech Dominici, Dominici or something. Right. So maybe he went for an American name. Well, Baxter's name, C C Baxter. I think it's like Calvin. I don't know what the C the C stands for, but he and he goes by Bud. Buddy, yeah, Buddy Boy, and that. Buddy Boy, yeah. Um. I like the intro though. I like then they introduce themselves, if you know what I mean. The narration at the beginning where he's just talking about it. Yeah, the like, narration at the start. Yeah, and he talks about himself and. Yeah, I like that bit as well. He's just, yeah, I like it when, when films do that. They sort of ease you into to what's happening in his life. And I and instantly I felt sorry for the guy. Um, having yeah. loads of uninvited guests entering his house all the bloody time and have to stay stay and work late to, uh, to avoid it. He's yeah. just walked all over in this film. It's a bit like uh, Mother. Loads of uninvited guests just entering his house all the bloody time. <laughs> it's, it's nothing like mother. <laughs> I just say that. Um, um, it's a very, very different ending. <laughs> yeah, God, Jesus, don't remind me. That's um, a mental film. But yeah, I like I like the little opening. I also like his little TV dinner that he has at the, at the, at yeah. the beginning of the uh, film there. Um, it's it's funny. I had a fact um, about that scene. You're going to share it with, with everyone, with the class? Yeah, so it was the first 
Best Picture Oscar winner to specifically re- refer to a previous winner in this case too. So yeah, the Grand Grand Hotel, which he watches on television, but it's mm-hmm. too delayed because of all those commercials, which I thought was quite funny that he kept saying. But first, a word from our sponsor or whatever. Um, and then he also mentions a Lost Weekend, doesn't he? Later, which is a reference to Billy yes. Wilder's other film uh, called The Lost Weekend. So yeah, a lot of facts about yeah. that. That's available there to everyone go. on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I th- I think. Um... Jack Lemmon's character. I get the feeling he's he's quite morally bankrupt in this film uh, at the very start. Like he's he's literally, apart from his job, he's got nothing going for him. He, he's not looking for anything else. He does, he's not necessarily looking for love, is he? In this film, um, and he's he's more than happy for these fellas to just um, cheat on it, their wives in his apartment for him to get a promotion. So yeah, usually in these films, the hero's got a bit more of a sort of moral compass. I think he grows into that a bit, but at this sort of stage, I don't think he really does. I don't think he's, as long as it increases his career, he he's yeah. improves his career. Yeah. He's not really, doesn't really think about anything else. Does he? No, well, I think at this point he hasn't really got anything else in his life. As you see, when he gets home, he just has a little sit down with his meal and then he goes back to work the next day knackered. Um, yeah. So I think it's all that's driving him really. It's just that so he, nothing else really bothers him um, regarding no. that's not, but Especially not dirty sheets. That doesn't bother him. No, yeah. Why doesn't he change them? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You'd have a spare set for you and another for them lot. Uh, so it's horrible. A horrible thoughts. Those dirty old yeah. men. Yeah. Dragging their balls all over your sheets. <laughs> Disgusting. Like I said to you the other day, he's, he's a a character actor playing a main man. Yeah, and you like that. Um, we all like that. I do like that. I like that, yeah. One of my favourite films, Paris, Texas. Harry Dean Stanton, main guy. He's a character actor, one of the most famous. There of course. Go. I like uh, The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. You love Dustin. You, I love you Dust. love the Hoff. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the Hoff. Uh, I know. <laughs> Shirley MacLaine, what do you think of her? I thought she was very good. I expected the... Usually in these type of films, the, the character that she plays are much more, I don't know what to say, like melodramatic and the way they this, act I, but this is exactly what uh, i was going to say you're taking it out of my well, mouth we yeah. have the same thought because she's very subtle with the way but she's, she seems like a modern actress like that's just time travel back to the 60s is what i think about her and, and she is really really good i went on a 10 minute rant the other day to chelsea about how i thought that she was very before her time yeah. and um yeah everybody in those days was very sort of melodramatic like when they go to kiss someone and or like if they turn away, do you know like when they turn away? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, why do they do that? Really, yeah, like over the top movement, isn't it? No one's ever done that. And they're still talking, but looking down, and then they like grab the hair and look up a bit. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but she just doesn't do any of that at all. She just seems very human and yeah. unreal. Um, I thought she was very endearing. Yeah, and the only other film I've seen her in is what is Bernie, which when she was yeah, Jack, an elderly woman in it. So <laughs> yeah, I, I've only seen her as an old woman. So to see her as a young woman was. You know, she's she's good. Yeah, I looked that up on Letterboxd, and someone thought um, that Bernie was the film that um, of do you know, do you remember in the Office, the US Office, and Jack Black's in love with that old oh, woman. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Someone thought that was a clip from Bernie. God, well, it's um, you know what? They're not far off if you actually watch <laughs> Bernie. It's yeah, it's yeah, bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I thought she, I thought she was great. So so far, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. They, they can do no wrong really I thought they, they were both um, perfect for it and they were both sort of they both seemed ahead of their time really I thought 
as I said, when you watch films like this, most people are either. Sometimes you get the actors that are just like, "Well, I love you. That's all." Da da da. Like that's yeah. like that. And then the others are like, "I love you, see." And then yeah. they're like, sort of neither of those me, things. Would you? Yeah, all that type of thing. But they were both like, "Yeah, they just seem like modern actors to me." Really? Yeah. It seemed like a very modern film in, in yeah. some ways. Other, other ways, not so much. Uh, Which is why I think it's it stood the test of time. Like when it came out, it wasn't. It won all the awards, but a lot of people panned it because they thought it was like crude and and advertised differently to what it was. I think there was a lot of people who had a lot of issues with this film when it came out. Yeah. Um. But then obviously it won the the treble. It won the best director, best screenplay, best picture. Yeah. Um. Which shocks me because I think maybe the critics always saw it as a good film, but maybe the the the, the, the movie goers like the the everyday person. Um, I think a lot of them had an issue with it, didn't they? Yeah, a lot of people thought it was like, well, like we thought it gleeful, tender, and sentimental. No. Um, and then other people saw it as paradigm of cor- <laughs> corny avant- avant-gardism. Um, others took issue with the film's controversial depictions of infidelity and adultery. Yeah, I think it was... With people saying, dismissing it as a dirty fairy tale. Yeah, I think probably back then it was a much more taboo or that type of thing, because it just... I think it seems with a lot of Billy Wilder's films, he just faces these type of things head on. That's why it's it's definitely stood the test of time, really, because we're a bit more open to that type of... You know, watching films and stuff about that type of thing now. But back then, I can imagine, you know, your gran <laughs> back then going, oh, yeah. I can't believe what I've just seen. Things like that were shunned even more i think they had a guilty conscience yeah maybe yeah one thing i think that could have contributed to it feeling quite realistic and less filmy and like melodramatic is that apparently according to shannon mcclain on her official website a lot of the film was written as filming progressed so they were just sort of adding bits in based on what was happening uh because the gin rubby game was added because at the time she was learning how to play the game with her friends in the Rat Pack. Did you know she was mates with all those guys in the Rat Pack? That's pretty weird, isn't it? Yeah, I saw something to do with her being friends with like, like Frank Sinatra and D Martin, but she's also like big in with the mafia. Yeah, she's has a mad life. I wouldn't mind reading a biography, also biography or something, really. Yeah, it's crazy. But apparently, when she one time on a lunch break, she just started talking about love. They like sort of listened to what she was saying and wrote it down, and that was added to the script as well. So it's, it seems much more natural, I think, than what, because it was written as it was going, really. Oh, well, that's that's cool because I I um, kept on seeing things about Billy Wilder and how strict he was with people saying exactly what it was said on the script so the fact that he was adding well that could have been what in. IAL did maybe he was more of the uh, the ad lib sort of adding in I don't know what his role was IAL yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> IAL <laughs> I'd like it if they that's what they called him like if they were sat with him now IAL can you pass me that thing from over there please yeah. thanks IAL thanks IAL ridiculous <laughs> hi IAL <laughs> Jack Lemmon was nominated for Best Actor and Shirley MacLaine, Best Actress. I think they both should have won that, really. I don't know what else was nominated that year, but I think they were both, both really good. Did they not I win? I haven't even looked into the I'm furious by that. Yeah, no, they, they were nominated for them and didn't win, which is strange considering they won the other three. You'd think that if it was Best Picture, Best Director and Screenplay, then... What are they doing wrong? Like they've, yeah, <laughs> it's all set up for them to win it, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he didn't win an Oscar. But I saw that um, when Kevin Spacey won his Oscar for American Beauty, um, he dedicated it to um, Jack Lemmon in this film. Oh, did he? Because yeah, apparently he said that without this film, there would be no American Beauty. 
um, and it was his inspiration. Um, and he was like preparing to, to shoot the film. That's um, nice. I can't really see any sort of correlation between yeah. the two characters, though. Um, no, I can't really. Maybe towards the beginning when he's sort of getting walked all over a bit, isn't he? Um, Kevin Spacey's yeah. character, maybe that sort of thing is similar. But... Maybe this is what would happen if Baxter snapped. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But when did Jack Lemmon die? 2001. Good. He, he died not knowing about Kevin Spacey. That's nice. He, he died. Uh, <laughs> he died peacefully <laughs> thinking he was a lovely yeah, guy. Yeah. Should we should we talk about the villain in this film? Yeah, I was going to bring him up. Um, Fred McMurray plays Jeff D. Sheldrake. And when I saw Fred McMurray's face, I thought, I've seen him in something. And after sprawling the... Uh, the internet for him and looking at everything he's been in. I've never seen this man in my life, apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> watching this film. That was a very anticlimactic story. I thought we'd find the film. Oh well, no, yeah. A childhood favourite. No, I thought I, I thought it'd be something like Doctor Strangelove, but he looks like that type of guy, but no. I just he just looks like a familiar man to me. Maybe I've I don't know why. I thought he had um fe- similar features to Timothy Spall. Really? <laughs> I don't know why at all. Um, <laughs> not about that. No, I don't know why. He was always like the the great American dad sort of roles, sort of. Oh, was um, it? Yeah, and when he did this film and he was a bit of a scumbag, yeah. um, he'd be attacked on the street by, by women. Apparently one woman hit him with a handbag. God. I think he he was good in this. He he played his his role well. He was just a typical sort of CEO um, depiction um, in films. Very self-centred, thinks you can pay people off. Not interested in anybody else but himself. But yeah, one of those classic guys, really. But like, there's that scene where she, where um, Fran Kubelik. We're we gonna call her Fran or Kubelik. Um, we'll call her Fran. Yeah, sure. Um, she buys him a gift, doesn't she? I can't remember what she gets him now. And he just goes, "Oh yeah, I, f- I forgot to, uh, to to get you a gift, but here's a hundred dollars." Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's awful, baby, isn't it? Really, that's classic um, CEO man type behaviour. Yeah, and then she does take a jacket off, doesn't she, and say, as if to sort of insinuate that they they sleep together before he goes. Um, and she has a backhanded compliment, saying, "Well, it is paid for." I know it is a bit. Um, it seems a bit seedy, yeah. It, yeah, it's a bit weird that I didn't. I, I noticed that as well. Yeah, you're too good for him, Fran. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just to, you mentioned he got hit by a handbag. Apparently, after that, he said he's never going to play a bad guy again in a film. So maybe this was it. Maybe this last maybe time was, he played a bad guy. Maybe she had a brick in that handbag. <laughs> maybe yeah, but apparently he's a Disney legend, according to uh, to this. He was the first man <laughs> to be named a Disney legend. <laughs> what? Even not even Walt. No, he's the he's the, he's the first ever Disney legend, apparently. Because <sighs> he's the absent-minded professor. That's who he plays. Oh right, yeah, I know that film. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I I can't really see him as a. He does he does play the bad guy well in this. He's just the type of guy you uh, you dislike. I think though, in this film, that Baxter is quite impressionable by, um, Michelle Drake, and he's also sort of quite impressionable with, with other characters like Dobish and all the other fellows in his office um, and I thought it was quite clever how they how they did this like you, you thought it was as if he was trying to be more like them like um, there's a bit where um, Shell Drake says the line you take a girl out and then she expects you to divorce your wife you take a girl out just for laughs and she thinks you're going to divorce your wife sort of thing okay. and then um, Baxter says it again later on 
to Fran. He says, you take a girl out just for laughs. Um, and then he, he does it as well with, um, with Dobish, who, who says things like manpower-wise and stuff like that. And then, obviously, Baxter starts doing it yeah. with promotion-wise. Um, and he is just trying to fit in with those sort of guys, but he's not like them at all, is he? He's not self-obsessed. He's more considerate. and Yeah, but yeah, I like all that, those little script moments. It is, I think it is a perfect script, to be honest, as well. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, everything is like set up perfectly, isn't it? Like you know, obviously with the doctor living next door, that sort of set up to go coincide with what happens to Shirley MacLaine's character later, and then the mirror being broken. I thought that was quite a good little thing, the the mirror uh, reveal yeah. and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And then they do that thing as well. I can't remember what it's called now. It's like a a, a movie trick where. Um, two people are talking and one person says something to them that we and the audience, uh, the, the character and the audience know is like a, a groundbreaking bit of knowledge that they've, I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, like when the she, when he says that, yeah, she's obviously in a relationship with Sheldrake, Fran is, but Baxter doesn't know it at the time. And then he's like, Oh, do you know my friend Sheldrake? I'll get you promotion and stuff like this. Yeah. And uh, we're like that. And he shows like, his fingers crossed sort of thing. Um, and then he, he gives it, he said, he sends me a Christmas card with, and she, he gives it to her and it's got a picture of him and his family. Um, and it's just sort of rubbing it in her face, but obviously he's not the wiser, is he? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's got a poodle. <laughs> yeah, he does have a poodle. A poodle <laughs> and two sons. Um, poodle and two sons. And one of them's obsessed with trying to make flies. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> in space. That was a really weird scene. What a weird thing to say. So we could put two yeah. flies in there and then they'll, yeah, he's, he's used a word I've never heard. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard it either. <laughs> that was a bizarre thing to say for a child. There was one scene where, um, which really stressed me out, actually. Uh-oh. Um, he's trying to rearrange his diary. Yeah. And he's calling through all the, through, to all the, 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 the different bosses um, and, and trying to reschedule them all. And it really reminded me of something that would be in, like, Faulty Towers or something. <laughs> yeah, it would, yeah. Um, it's just like a juggling act, just trying to keep everyone happy. Um, and stuff like that really stresses me out, and I don't know why. I could, see, I could see, imagine John Cleese uh, is a fan of this film. Yeah, yeah I he probably took a few few bits of Baxter in his characters. Yeah, I'd say I think he's probably quite a inspirational character to a lot of people. Really, like I don't know why, but for some reason, I could I could tell a lot of comedian actors I'm more familiar with took some inspiration from him. For some reason, Robin Williams came in my head for some reason. Like he's got this yeah. sort of pathos, and you know the way he delivers lines stuff to him, but. I think he also reminds me of like silent movie actors in this film a little bit. Um, the way he acts, like that scene in particular, I can imagine like Charlie Chaplin or someone like trying to get yeah. on the phones and organize all that. It's sort of, isn't it? They're always yeah. finding themselves in sticky situations. Like visually, you remind me a bit of Stan Laurel. Yeah, yeah, with his wide eyes looking at yeah looking at people. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm pulling a face right now. I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> um, also talking about comedic actors that were influenced by Jack Lemmon, Steve Coogan, we mentioned before we started recording. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. He, he says that Jack Lemmon's his favourite actor. I, um, I need to watch some more Jack Lemmon films, to be honest. So I, I want to. I liked him a lot. I agree. I am glad that they didn't remake this film because it's the sort of thing they'd do. Yeah. Um, but if you were to remake it, if I put a gun to you and forced you to, um, who would you cast as Fran and who would you cast as Baxter? Now, if it was made in 2023. 
if it was made in the last 10 years? Maybe Steve Steve Carell, if he's been a bit more serious. I don't know. That's who's coming to mind for some reason. If you yeah. watch him in his more indie films, maybe him as C.C. Baxter and then the guy I have as Young Lass. Who's nice? <laughs> who's nice? Um, tell you what, she looks like Charlie Day's wife in real life, but maybe Emma Stone, something like that, you know. Classic, Fair. get them two together again since uh, Crazy Stupid Love and all that. That'd be a good deal. Yeah. But I don't that know about was, the age difference there. But I think... was mother and daughter. That was father yeah. and daughter. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's hard because... <laughs> you freak. Well, Jack Lemmon and Shirley <laughs> McLean, he's a bit older than her, isn't he? Yeah, true. Um, so maybe when I was watching it, yeah, when I was watching it, I don't know if the acting would be on the same level as um, Shirley McLean and Jack Lemmon. But for some reason, I thought, do you know Alison Hannigan? Do you know... Yes. I think she'd be a good Fran. Yeah, she would. I don't know why. She just reminded me of her a little bit. Yeah. Um, but And also, um, is it Ty Burrell or Ty Burrell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good pair of people to be in this. Actually. When I was watching yeah. they just reminded me of them for some reason when I was watching it. And I thought, if they did make it now, yeah. and you got a good performance out of them too, you, you could do it. You know, if they were to make it now, it would be like James Corden or someone cast in the main role. Oh, it'd be fucking horrendous. Or Neil Patrick it? Harris or someone who he was all right. Colin Farrell. I like Colin Farrell, but I don't want him to play this role. Ah, Colin Farrell would be all right, I reckon. Do you reckon? Yeah. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, someone like James Corden would be absolutely awful. Zendaya. You'd probably get Chris Pratt or someone. Yeah, like Zendaya. It'd be weird. You'd be like, what, what are you doing? Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, the whole yeah, they'd they'd get someone ripped and and hunky to play. Yeah. Um, CC Baxter, which just wouldn't. The work. Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Rock and the Rebel rock. Wilson or something. Bizarre. The Rock. The Rock and Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only other sort of character I, I don't think we've spoken about is Dr. Dreyfus. Um, a lot of people applaud his performance in this. Um, I think he's pretty good in it, but are you sure he's a doctor? <laughs> what do you mean? He's just slapping the shit out of her. Well, yeah, he, he, injects, he injects him or something. I don't know what that is, though. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just a drug drug addict or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, just slapping her about. Yeah. Is that a, <laughs> Surely he's not a, trained a manoeuvre that they learn in... Medical school, I don't know. I don't know. He's he's like putting like salts, what do they call like salts by their nose, whatever. To smelling try salts. Smelling salts, and then they just start slapping the shit out of her <laughs> and gives her coffee. Yeah. I mean I know it's a different time, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, you know, it's So they still drill holes in heads to cure headaches in those days. Also, I didn't think this was a Christmas film, but people say it is. I was gonna say that, yeah. I, I didn't well, yeah, halfway through it just becomes Christmas. I'm like, and I think, yeah. you know what? I'm going to watch this around Christmas again because I think it'll be a nice film to watch at Christmas. Yeah, I think I will too. But it starts in November because he says at the start this is November 1959 or whatever. But yeah, just because it has Christmas in it doesn't mean it's a Christmas film, uh, and that's my argument with Die Hard. Yeah, it has to be about Christmas. Well, hang on, it can't just be at Christmas. Slow your horses, because no. sometimes there's films that are just nice to watch at Christmas, aren't there? Think about it. They have nothing to do with Christmas. There's films that people watch. That are, Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit of Christmas in that, but not a lot. Yeah. So, you know, be careful what you're saying. And this one does have Christmas in it, so there is a whole debate whether this counts as a Christmas film as well. No, because people, people say, yeah, but it's got Christmas in it, so it has to be. That's not the rule. It has to be about Christmas. I don't know. 
is Home Alone about Christmas? Yeah, it's about his family going away for Christmas. It's about his family going away and him being left alone. On at Christmas. I'm not having it. Home Alone, obviously the jeopardy is high anyway because it's a child in his own, but there's more jeopardy from a child sense because he'll be alone on Christmas <laughs> Day. That's that's the real issue there. It's the real from quiz. his point of view. He if he if it wasn't Christmas, he would have loved that time on his own. Yeah. Um it's the fact that he didn't want to be on his own on Christmas. That's that's the jeopardy. And that's why it's a Christmas film. And I think that's case closed. Right. I'll shut up then, shall I? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thank you. I thought you were avoiding me. What gave you that idea? In the last six weeks, you've only been in my elevator once, and you didn't take off your hat. Well, as a matter of fact, I was rather hurt that night you stood me up. I don't blame you. It was unforgivable. I forgive you. Well, you shouldn't. You couldn't help yourself. I mean, when you're having a drink with one man, you can't suddenly walk out on him because you're having another date with another man. You did the only decent thing. I wouldn't be too sure. Just because I wear a uniform, that doesn't make me a Girl Scout. Another thing about uh, Jack Levin, I think he's very good at doing cold acting, like pretending he's got a cold. I don't know how he did that, without holding his nose. What a niche, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I noted that down. I was like, that's really good cold acting. I, 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 no, you do the, I can't even do it. I tried. Yeah. I was doing no, it along with him, but he, he's not even holding his nose. Like I don't know how he's done it. What did you do to your hair? It was making me nervous, so I chopped it off. Big mistake, huh? No, I sort of like it. You've got a lulu. Huh? Yeah, better not get too close. And I never catch colds. Really? I was reading some figures from the Sickness and Accident Claims Division. Do you know that the average New Yorker between the ages of 20 and 50 has two and a half colds a year? Huh. Now, that makes me feel just terrible. Why? Well, to make the figures come out even, if I have no colds a year, some poor slob must have five colds a year. Yeah, it's me. Should have stayed in bed this morning. You should have stayed in bed last night. Um, there wasn't much ad lib, but that there was the bit where he squirts the no, the nasal the nasal spray oh, yeah. across the room, and that was ad libbed. And they thought, yeah, that's funny, stick that in. Uh, and also later on, when he's cooking and he's and he's straining the spaghetti on a tennis racket, oh, yeah. that was all in the script. But then when he, he's singing, isn't he? Yeah. Um, the the singing wasn't in the script. Uh, oh, right. but They thought, yeah, it's quite realistic, that, isn't it? So keep that in. Well, that um, that nasal spray was milk. Apparently. Oh. The real nasal spray wouldn't have shown up on camera, so we put milk in there. With, That's Hollywood. And the reason the character needs the nasal spray is obviously because he spent a night sleeping in Central Park in the rain. Um, but Billy Wilder had to spray Jack Lemon with antifreeze to keep him from freezing during that scene while they were filming him in the rain in the in the park at night. So, yeah, he was sprayed with antifreeze to keep him warm. Christ alive. <laughs> and also, he was punched. Was he? For real. Yeah, the... Uh, later on, where Fran's brother-in-law comes round, oh yeah, gives him a bop. He uh, Jack Lemon didn't move oh, out of the way quick enough, and he actually smacked him. Caught him, and that's the one they kept in the film. Oh really? So it's a real smack. That's similar to the um, the Fight Club thing, isn't it? I think Brad Pitt, actually, Edward Norton, actually punched him, and that's the one they kept in the film. Yeah, but wasn't he told to? I think Brad Pitt said, "Just punch me." Yeah, because it's not going to look good unless you'd actually hit me. I think. Yeah, Jack Lemon was not ex- expecting. <laughs> yeah. That. There was another character, and if I was to recast her, it'd be uh, played by Kristen Vig or Wig or whatever you want to call her, uh, and that was um... uh, Mrs. McDougal. Oh yeah, Margie. Margie McDougal. Margie. Margie McDougal. Yeah, I like I like that scene. I like that whole bit really. I like that. He's sort of taking a bit of control in his life and saying, "Do you know what? All these fellas are." 
doing this, that, and the other, and using my apartment. I'm going to take a girl back to my apartment, and I'm going to kick them all out. Yeah, and you know what? I might employ that straw method next time I'm out, where she blows straw paper at people to get their attention. <laughs> yeah, you just get kicked out by a bouncer. Yeah, probably, if I do it, yeah. You stop fucking shooting <laughs> straws over there. Uh, I just told you to fuck off now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, no, but yeah, she, well, she does like four at him, I but he's had that many... Martinis, he doesn't have a clue. He's made a full circle out of olives. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> um, I like as well uh, in this film that they don't have to tell you a lot. They, they apparently Billy Wilder was like of the philosophy that you don't have to tell the audience things. They're not stupid, um, so you don't have to tell the audience that he's drunk at that point. Yeah. You just show how many olives on a stick that are in front of him. You can see he's had seven drinks, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, Mark Kermode always goes on about show, don't tell, and all that, and it is it is the best way. I don't like exposition in films; it does my head in. So yeah, I absolutely I can't stand it. Yeah. So all that is good because obviously you, you see the mirror, don't you? That's how he finds out about. Yeah. Um, you don't have to say, oh, oh, you're the girl. Yeah. We know that, and he knows that. Yeah. It's good. It's clever. It like introduces you to the mirror. She, you you know her mirror's broken. He says the mirror was broken when I found it. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's the and one. then she used it later. He he's put he's showing her the new hat he's bought. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's excited at that point. And then she gives him a mirror to have a look at himself. And, and he sees the same mirror. Sees the mirror. Yeah. And she says it's broken in two. And she says that's how I like it. it it's uh, how I feel. Yeah, because he gives it to Sheldrake, not her, doesn't he? Yeah, the mirror. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought that bit that maybe she could have, and I think this is probably what intended that she she's broken and that's how she feels and that's how she wants to see herself. But it also could show that she split. She split between liking a nice guy like Baxter and going for a guy like Sheldrake. Yeah, I don't know. yeah maybe. Yeah, it could that be an interpretation initially. Yeah, it could be a metaphor for that, yeah, I suppose. Another thing the show don't tell thing is that um, we've both come to the conclusion that Baxter's quite lonely but again it's never actually said it's never actually told that he is he doesn't say it does he no no he just it's just all in his actions isn't it really and the fact that he stays you know just lets these men do what they want and everything and stays back and work and stuff shows that doesn't it and i don't wonder what happened to him before all this to put him in this state I'd, well he tells us doesn't he that he fell in love with his best friend's wife oh yeah um, and then went to shoot himself, but ended up just shooting himself in the leg. Yeah, he does went to that. Yeah, that's a bit mental, isn't it? It's dark. Yeah. Some dark moments in this film. I mean. Well, yeah, definitely. We, we haven't even mentioned yet. They've obviously, the, the scene where Fran attempts suicide. Yeah, and it, it's just so nonchalantly done, isn't it? Like, she just grabs all the pills and then, yeah, does it. And you're like, oh, geez, yeah. that's the point where it turns, really, into more of a dramatic film, really. When I saw her looking in the cupboard and seeing the. Uh, the tablets, I thought that she was going to realise who his apartment yeah, it was. Yeah, that's like what I was going to say his name on it, on the tablets. I, I didn't think she was going to Yeah, because I, I was thinking, has she seen him with his toothbrush or something and she's recognised it? Why is she looking so forlorn at his, <laughs> his yeah. stuff in his mirror? But then I realised, hang on. I was frantically looking around his cabinet. What's she seeing? But yeah. no, she's trying to kill herself. Hmm. That's a twist I never want to see. But no. Yeah, and then later on, she thinks that he's killing himself. Um, and oh we're, God, yeah. so, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't, I don't. I don't know if I like that bit at the end. We we see him packing his stuff up, and he and he picks up a gun, and he's packing his gun up, uh, and he's obviously he's got that bottle of champagne. He says to his next neighbour, "Do you want this bottle of champagne?" And he says, "That's the last thing thing we need is booze." Oh yeah, I think he's insinuating his eyes got a lot, so he doesn't drink. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's one or the other, but 
then when she's running up the stairs because she's finally realised that she should be with him. Yeah. Uh, and you hear the big gunshot yeah. bang sort of thing. And it's definitely a gunshot. It's nothing else. <laughs> no, it's not. Like it's the, calm. The, the actual it's sound effect of it. Yeah. They, they don't sound anything like... Just because they're both noisy doesn't mean they sound the same. Yeah. It's like a, a dog barking doesn't sound like a gunshot, does it? But they're both loud. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought that, that I didn't like that bit. I thought that didn't you? I don't know. I thought no, it was I, right. didn't, I, don't know. I thought it was sort of a going back to like the, it was set up in the script. Really, it's sort of a twist on the classic rom com running to the one you love ending, isn't it? A little bit. She's obviously yeah. running to presumably profess her love for him, but then we hear the gunshot and expect the worst ourselves. Like uh, like Emma Stone did in La La Land. Well, yeah, Land I was going to say I was also expecting another La La Land and Brothers of Sherbrooke ending, really. But um, so it puts you in a bit of state of panic towards the end. Just that one last little twist. I think I, I quite liked it, really, to be honest. I, I was just sidetracked, thinking that doesn't. They don't sound the same. Yeah, yeah. Fair just, maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Sound, maybe they should have just a car backfire or something. Car exhaust backfiring. I don't know. It wouldn't have. I don't know. Maybe making popcorn or something. That yeah, sounds more like a gunshot, doesn't it? Yeah, it's TV's. <laughs> Blowing up, I don't know. Uh, and then he professes his love to her, um, and she just ignores him. Yeah. And he says, "Didn't you hear me?" Um, and then she just says the classic line, "Shut up and deal." Yeah, and that's the that's, smiles that's the closing line, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. a bit like um, Empire Strikes Back, isn't it? When Han Solo says, "I know," it's like yeah. <laughs> not really saying it back to him, but it's sort of implied, isn't it? She doesn't need to say yeah. it back because. They both know. You hear what I said, Miss Kubelik? I absolutely adore you. Shut up and deal. Callum, I can. I know we both gave this film a four point five. Yes. Um, on Letterboxd. What do you think stopped us putting this as a five? Maybe I don't know. It got. It, there was a period in the middle of the film that it was a bit sort of elongated and slow. I can't remember. It was when she sort of, you know, took the pills and stuff. There was a little period after that where it, there was a bit of a lull, from what I remember. But I don't know, maybe it was just the pacing of that little bit that stopped me from giving it a perfect because I did like every other bit in it for some reason. So what, what do you think? Um, for me, I enjoyed the film a lot, but you know sometimes when you watch a film, for example, you watch After Sun, yes. and you sit there for five minutes afterwards and you've got that sort of, it's really affected you how you feel. Yes. And it's more related. I don't know, I don't know if this film wasn't as relatable to me. Um, and so I yeah. didn't feel that. I felt for the characters, but I didn't really. It didn't resonate on myself personally. I think that's the only thing that stopped it being a five. I think for for me, a five has to do that. Um, and not all films will do that no. um, with you. But this didn't. If this, if I was around in 1960, maybe it would. Um, yeah. But that's the only thing that stopped it. I think apart from that, which the film couldn't help because it's not about me uh, <laughs> um then yeah it, it would have been it would have been a five otherwise but i think that's the only sort of thing that this won't stick with me all right fair enough i enjoyed it a lot and i'll watch it again probably but it's not gonna be one of them ones where i'll think about it for a couple of weeks if you know what i mean yeah and i think for me as well i think it's just the genre of like romantic comedies i like them and you know i'll stick one on if i'm feeling 
feeling, uh, I don't know what the word is, <laughs> in a nice mood. I just want to feel nice for a bit, but... It's called happy. Oh, yeah, happy. That's <laughs> it, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it was just, it wasn't what I expected completely. I thought it was going to be a full-on comedy all the way through, but then even so, I still enjoyed it. But it was. I think it was just adjusting to that. And, yeah, the genre of it, I'm not usually a fan of, but I really liked it. And as I said, it's become probably become one of my favourite examples of a, a rom-com. Yeah, I I agree. I enjoy it as well. Um, I'll recommend it. Me too. Um, not not that anyone will listen to me. Right then, it's time to to place this into our our mega list. Go on then. Um, you crunch the numbers. I'm going to put this second. Really? Fuck the numbers. <laughs> because this has stood the test of time. This list as well. Obviously, it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest films. It's the the best films that we like in that book. Because yeah, in that book. Because <laughs> there'll be loads of great films that. Uh, I'm never going to watch The Human Condition. I'm just never going to do it. Yeah, it's too long. I'm sure it is great, but I'm never going to do it. And that's why it's never going to be on my list. No. Um, and it doesn't mean that Back to the Future is better than it, but I am going to watch that, and that will be on my list. Yeah. Um, it's a- so I, I'm not going to look too far into what should be first, second, and third sort of thing. It's no. just what we like. What, what we feel in the moment. And yeah, I'd say I put it second as well, to be honest. Yeah. Um, especially, like I say, because it's at the test of time and it's 63 years old, is it? Have I done my maths right there? Yeah. And two boys who were, weren't were born for 40 years after still thought it was really good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll put it... We'll, yeah, I think so. So we'll put it as, uh, as number two. Numero two for The Apartment. Should we pick next week's 80s film? Yeah, go for it. Sure, go. What do you got? Um, I picked this film uh, to be a good friend because I know you really like this film uh, and because I don't think I've ever seen the end of it. Um, That's bizarre to me. I, I enjoyed it, but it was one of them, oh, should we watch this? the rest of this tomorrow? Yeah, That's go on. Ridiculous. And I just never did. I um, can't believe it. This was, yeah, I'm talking about a few years ago, this. Um, but anyway, we're going to be watching... Um, is it John Carpenter? That's him. The Thing. Wonderful. My favourite member of Fantastic Four. I think of Beyonce acting, I think of uh, The Lion King. <laughs> I can't remember what she says in it, that really shit line in it. Oh, when she's um, a lion? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember it, what it is either. Oh, I can't find I can't I'll, try, I'll it, stick but... it in, I'll stick it in if I find it. If you want to get him, you have to get through us. Are you with me, lions? 